welcome to the Tres Vista Talk podcast, where we engage with senior asset managers and advisors across a broad range of topics. Tres Vista is the leading outsourcing firm for the financial services industry, supporting over 1,000 clients with over 10 trillion in assets under management. This is Abhilash Jaykumar, co-founder and managing director of Tres Vista. Today, I have with me Donald McDonough. Don is a two-time national lacrosse champion with Princeton in 1994 and 1996, and he also happens to be a managing director with JLL and head of their business development efforts. JLL is one of the oldest private equity firms in the country, founded in 1988, managing over $4 billion. Don, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Abby. Don, it's not every day I get to get on a call with a national champion. Maybe let's go way back and... You know, can you share some of the stories and experiences of what it was like to go through that process of a competitive tournament and coming out on top and then having to do it again? Sure. You know, um, obviously a, a long time ago, but, um, you know, it was the, the thing that, that, that I remember uh, most about it and, and what, what still st- stands with me today is you know, being a part of something that's bigger than yourself and, and committing something, committing yourself to you know, that, that goal. I mean, I was very fortunate to play with some very talented uh, lacrosse players and behind a great uh, Hall of Fame coach and Bill Tierney. Um, and, and it was a, it was a big commitment at, at Princeton, <clears throat> certainly academically and athletically. Uh, the, you know, division one lacrosse is, <laughs> is a very competitive place. And, uh, and we were, it was almost like a, a, a job outside of the, uh, the academic world that we, we lived in there. And so, um, you know, that, uh, you know, that competition is something you have to dive in wholeheartedly, um, and, 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 uh, put everything you have into it, um, and, and really play on the strengths of all your, the entire team from the all Americans to the last one on the team. And I think we were, uh, very successful for, for that. Certainly a lot of talent, a lot of hardworking players and great friends, great coaching. Um, but we also, you know, maximized the entire group's talent. So, uh, even the, the, the 40th guy on the team, um, found a way to get on the field and, and contribute and, and, in some specialized way. So, uh, it was a really special time for me, um, and great memories around it and, uh, friends I've made for, for life. So, yeah. Certainly at that level, everyone's at a high level of talent and all the competition has a high level of talent. And you mentioned a lot of hardworking guys. Obviously, a championship is a lot of motivation to put in the work. How did you find the second one as far as being able to find the motivation? Sure. Well, you know, each year is a different challenge in that in that environment. Um, we have you know, graduating players, new you know, freshmen coming in. Uh, so the team dynamic is a different one whenever, uh, you know, every year, uh, in my senior year, uh, in 1996, uh, I was a captain of the team and that brought with different challenges, uh, co-captain, I should say, um, and, and taking on a bit more of a leadership role, um, you know, mentoring the younger players, uh, finding, uh, you know, the best place for, uh, you know, well, for everybody to be feel part of the team and, and feel like they were all a big, a big part of it. Um, so it, it, from a motivational standpoint, I mean, that, that competitive nature is there. There's no, there's no really additional motivation. Um, you know, you don't look at it like, well, you won a championship two years ago and therefore it's not that big a deal. Not, not winning one again. You, you still have that same passion 
and that same edge to to win. Um, and so you put everything you have into it. I guess from year to year, your your responsibilities change a little bit, and your outlook changes a little bit, and your appreciation for different things changes a little bit depending on you know where you stand within that team and what you're being held responsible to do. And you know at Princeton lacrosse, um, you know we held each other very accountable to what we needed to get done and. And I guess as a senior the second time around, it was a little more my job to make sure that uh, we held people accountable to, to what they needed to get done. And um, so it was a, just a different different challenge, but, but that drive uh, was there for all of us uh, every year. Yeah, obviously when you talk about teams, that translates a lot into a private equity ecosystem. Um, you know, how have you found the lessons that you've learned in a competitive sports team and as a captain have translated to your success professionally? Sure. Well, <clears throat> you know, the, the private equity world is as a competitive place um, as, as division one lacrosse or anything else. Um, obviously a different, very different sport. Uh, but the, the concepts are, 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 are pretty, pretty similar. You need uh, a committed group of professionals who are, are, are you know, obviously highly talented, that are each going to bring, uh, you know, what they do best to the table in order to uh, hopefully drive success for the team. And, you know, for me, um, you know, as, as a, as an athlete, um, you know, I was someone who always, who took on different roles and, and, and found um, that, you know, certainly as I got, as I got into a higher level that I was, you uh, best suited for one role that I may not have been better suited earlier on. So there, there are a lot of, ta- there's a lot of talented folks who um, take on certain <clears throat> aspects of what it takes to be successful that you may have done in the past that you may evolve. And so when I started in private equity, I mean, really while, while lacrosse and private equity, certainly there are a lot of egos. Um, I think to be successful as a group and as a team, you need folks who are going to be leaders in their own world and areas, but at the same time, uh, commit themselves to the whole, and, and that's what we found. At, I found at Princeton um, one year I was relied on to be a, a big scorer, and the next year was a, a you know lower uh, you know more of a defensive player, and 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 and, and so on. And so I, I didn't have much of an ego as far as my own individual success as I did um, in making sure that what I was asked to do, I did the best of my ability, and and. Um, and and helped uh, the group success. And so within private equity, um, I think there's a similar concept. And as, as the industry has evolved, and when I got into private equity, I was uh, it's been a more of a jack of all trades and obviously a junior person who did execution and operations and uh, negotiation and diligence and uh, you know, capital raising and business development. And and as uh, became more senior and the, the industry became more institutionalized, uh, I sort of gravitated to what I had, you know, a little more passion for what I felt I did maybe a little better than, than, than some others, um, where their strengths may have lied somewhere else that I was uh, not quite as strong at. And so business development is something that I think has grown significantly in importance, obviously always a very key part of the whole private equity process, but a very competitive thing that I can identify well with. So, you know, success in private equity, um, <laughs> may, Maybe a bit of a misnomer, but you know you need um, leaders in all areas, whether it's business development, capital markets, diligence, execution, negotiations, operations, 
And, um, and so similar to, you know, division one lacrosse, uh, you need, uh, towns of all different areas and, and, and the folks who are operating at the, at the best, uh, that you can find in that, in that particular segment. Yeah, no, it's interesting how you've talked about the evolution of private equity. I remember when I was at a middle market private equity shop near 20 years ago now, you know, you didn't have specific heads of these functional areas of IR, of business development, of execution, yeah. of portfolio monitoring. Right? You, now you have not just operating partners in at a BD, but you have VPs and associates and analysts within each of those functions as well. And yeah. you've been focused on business development as a function within private equity for over 10 years now. So yeah. you, know, you might have been one of the first people that was really in a focused business development role within a middle market shop. Certainly, you know, the bulge record mm-hmm. firms were much more institutionalized earlier on given their sure. scale, but it wasn't very true of middle markets. So in your experience, how has that role of business development within private equity evolved? Yeah. So I sort of came to business development uh, or, organically. It was something that I was tasked to do earlier in my private equity career along with everything else. And um, it was not my day job. I was I was an execution uh, vice president given the task of Putting a uh, a platform together for uh, uh, for business development and being a bit more of the face of the firm you know, with investment bankers and really trying to turn over every rock uh, from a deal flow perspective and and I think business development early on in 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 uh, the middle market private equity really did look like that and there's an element of that always where you're trying to make sure that the firm is represented wherever whichever corner of the world that that means the most to them at any given time. And then, you know, as I move, move as the again as the industry has evolved and as uh, became more senior and 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 came to dedicate to myself to business development, um, you know, roughly ten years ago, um, it's it's become uh, much more of a, a targeted process, a broader a, a broader uh, uh, job, I guess, in, in a way, and then the responsibilities within business development are. Are much. Uh, they, they range from not just you know deal sourcing and origination, but angle development, um, uh, you know, strategic insight. Uh, it's it's obviously developing relationships with investment bankers. It's buy side, op, you, know, uh, you know, negotiations and opportunities for really garnering re- whatever resources are necessary for the success of the firm, and not just showing up and saying, "Hey, what <laughs> what investment banker? What might you be selling today?" Um, so, you know, and that's as as, a, as someone who is much more of a, uh, you know, it was a deal guy and an M&A professional and a, early in my career, it's really been leveraging more of those skills and any kind of marketing skills that uh, as I've become more senior to uh, that have really made a difference for, for our firm. And that's not to say that uh, the, you know, the relationships with uh, the investment banking, or they're all, it's critical. It's a very important part of the job, uh, making sure that you are uh, not just top of mind for the right opportunities um, and, and your firm is well positioned for those opportunities. But um, I think proactivity, I guess, is the key word of the day. And, 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 and not just knowing about those opportunities that are coming, but uh, positioning your firm uh, more directly around those, those opportunities. Uh, developing situations that may be more uh, unique to your firm um, and, and the like have, have really uh, taken on a new another uh, another level for business development. And that that to go along with 
you know, executive relationships and, and any other resources that may be beneficial. Yeah, you know, I think early on when a lot of PE firms hired a business development professional, they thought they could get away with not using bankers and paying banker fees and get you know, the wholly proprietary deal. And, you know, you've really you know, drilled on the idea of building relationships with investment brokers and owning those relationships. You know, have you seen that attitude change for private equity firms? Well, I think, um, look, this is a largely a relationship role um, and you need to have, be able to uh, you have, have a you know, build trust in the, in the market, um, know that and make sure that the market knows you know, who you are, what you stand for, as well as your firm and where you can benefit them, really be more as much a partner to those bankers um, than, um, than just someone who's looking for deal flow. Um, so in some cases, it's not just gathering as many opportunities as you possibly can. Um, it's pointing out where, where, which, which really make the most, um, uh, uh, sense for you and your firm. I would say, you know, avoiding deal fees and, and the like, I, I think the concept of a proprietary deal is, is, uh, <laughs> is rare, um, these days. And when it does occur, it's not because typically I should say, uh, where a private equity firm or a business development uh, uh, professional has a relationship or knows of a company that no one else knows about. The, 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 the market is very well banked and the, you know, the, the lower end, the low level investment bankers and, and, and the lower middle market, middle market all have proactive business development on their side to identify companies. Um, so the proprietary opportunities for the investments on the investment side really come from Developing the right angles and relationships that that make any given opportunity a strategic one for your firm, and not because it's oh well, no one else knows about it or no one else has seen this business. It's it's coming at it with a fresh uh, set of eyes, a, a fresh angle, a fresh uh, relationship, and and really creating a situation where your firm is better positioned to be a buyer, a better positioned for that company to have success because they've invested. And, and I think that's a major differentiation uh, for certain business development professionals who are able to do that and think strategically and build the trust that uh, those on the other side are willing to uh, share you know, those unique opportunities with you. And what are some of the angles that you and JLL have developed or working on that position you guys Sure. Well, so JLL, as you mentioned, has been around for uh, quite some time. We're in our 33rd year and in investing out of our eighth fund. Uh, you know, we invest across healthcare, business services, and industrial markets. And you know, our subsector thesis work in any given any of those broader sectors has iterated you know, throughout the markets over over time. I think the you know, JLL is unique in in um, we are we sort of revel in level of complexity and transaction making. We look for uh, be it value or special situation value or growth in those sectors um, opportunities to make a difference uh, with the platform. And, and so, um, and it goes back to our founder, Paul Levy, uh, my partners who, who really have uh, an expertise in, uh, in, doing deals that maybe take uh, you know, a, a little more uh, elbow grease. You guys work for a living. Well, we, we do. And, uh, 
and, and so what you'll see with JLL is a lot more buildups, uh, partnerships, uh, take privates. You know, we're not, I wouldn't want to say we're splitting the atom here, but but we're, we're really, you know, backing the right management teams within sectors that we, uh, that we feel are, are particularly attractive uh, or that we can make a real difference in and, and put them in a position to build substantial assets. Um, and that can be transactional, it can be operational, it can be through capital markets. And so JLL has a, a specialized model where we have really, you know, leaders in each you know, functional area who, who can benefit our, our investments, benefit us on the new business side and, and so on. So um, you know, sector, you know, the, the, the markets and what, what is happening you know, this year is a, is a great example. Uh, you know, the, just the, the variability in, in potential opportunities this year and JLL's fortunate, we'll, uh, we've, we've closed on two new platforms since uh, the pandemic uh, began and, um, soon to be, we think a third. Um, and but the 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 work that we've done and the markets that we've done have ranged from um, growth in a very early part of the year to distressed opportunities um, where JLL has a, a long history um, from you know really uh, and, and continues to be um, while there has not been a wave of, of special situations. Um, that maybe some expected and we expected earlier this year. I do think there'll be opportunities there um, and back to more growth opportunities. So uh, it shows our, our ability to swing from market to market. And, and now the, the dynamics of any given deal will, will remain a little more complicated because that's our nature. Um, but I don't know how many firms can swing from uh, you know, a, a you know, growth market in, in mid-February to a distress market in mid-March and and feel like they can execute through any of those markets so um it's really sort of staying close to my partners around what they're seeing in each of their segments their their the work that we're doing from a thesis level um whether it's in you know in healthcare and in, in uh, uh, revenue cycle technology and analytics to uh certain aerospace and defense dynamics on the industrial side or uh, lab services uh, in, in in healthcare to niche consultancies and and IT managed services on the on the business services side, um, you know, at any given time, you know, legal services, um, all areas that we've had a, a lot of success in and, and and continue to push for opportunities amongst a lot of others. So, uh, you know, fortunate as a business development professional that I can, you know, there's always something that I can try to drive within the broader market that uh, that'll be executable for JLL. Yeah, you know, you mentioned the idea of creating platforms, and that's an increasingly common strategy um, to, you know, create multiple expansion as you build platforms. Um, but finding and identifying and acquiring a hundred million dollar platform, it's a very different ecosystem than the ten million dollar add-ons. As a so, as a business development professional, how do you tackle that challenge? Uh, it's a good question. Um, the the other challenge for JLL, while it's it certainly um, is an ad advantage to be able to execute in a lot of different environments and and size levels, uh, is it doesn't make my job any easier. <laughs> um, and and so, you know, obviously efficiency is a is a big thing. Um, fortunate not only to have been at this for a while. <laughs> And and have been able to you know have come from the bulge bracket, operated in the lower middle market, 
and 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 have a, a a good deal of relationships that I can lean on as as we change tacts and and it may even be within the same investment cycle within the same industry. Um, it's really about the strategy. So um, you know the key for me is to find you know ways to maintain and build new relationships in those markets um, as efficient as I can. Um, and so the way I'm able to do that is certainly technology plays in. Um, and, and and working with our, our CRM and other other resources, working with uh, folks like Tres Vista to help us identify um, the right target uh, uh, as we as we go through our diligence. Um, we you know I lean on uh, my partners uh, to uh, you know on, on the on the diligence side, uh, and so it's it's really trying to get to the heart of what any given strategy is going to be. And and dive into it and try to leverage as many resources as you can uh, along the way. Um, so, uh, but it is isn't it isn't easy. Um, you know, I have I'll, I'll certainly I'll I'll help uh, you know co-lead and organize certain um, uh, you know marketing initiatives and 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 conferences with others other sponsors in the lower middle market to industry events in the bulge bracket. Um, it really is. Uh, a wide variety. Yeah. So I yeah, you definitely see a lot of clients leaning on us for the business development support, even if they're well-staffed internally, because often trying to get your own associate to Google search companies to call on, is a lot less exciting for them than building LBO models. Well, uh, you know, I do think it's a, it's a skill set that is uh, much more valuable uh, than, than I think those folks understand um, earlier on in their career. Uh, but, more than that, um, you know, the, the the successful business development professional quickly turns that associate from a support in business development to an execution professional, and immediately pulls them out of business development. So, um, it's uh, it, it's it's really important to be um, be to, to leverage your resources both internal and externally, and more even more and more externally, um, and then. Uh, uh, and then prioritize as much as you can. And, and uh, you know, we have that open lines of communication internally are, are critical to uh, uh, to avoid wasted effort and because um, there's always something to be done. Given everything that's gone on this year, how have you seen kind of the business development landscape uh, change and what do you see going into 2021? How is sourcing the business development role going to continue to evolve? Well, I think the role itself will continue to, uh, I think more and more firms are looking to bring on, you know, senior and business development professionals. I think, uh, you know, the, the competitive nature of our market, it's, it's only getting more competitive, only getting more, you know, institutionalized. And so that where the advantage for those in business development were, was distinctly in seeing the deal that not many people saw, you know, 10 years ago. Uh, today it's being deeper and better prepared and, and much more proactive, uh, m- much more proactive in in where 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 it means most to you. So, you know, the trends that I've seen more more is is you know firms um, getting out ahead on businesses that they see maybe coming market in in the years to come, identifying markets that they truly want to prioritize um, uh, earlier, and and so. You know, it's it's building that advantage deal flow 
and 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 that strategic intelligence around certain assets, around certain executives, around certain markets, that is going to become more and more important uh, in order for your firm to to be successful. So I, I think that trend um, should um, you know should continue. I would say um, you know those firms, I and mean, we we saw it this year. It certainly. Um, you know, I, I would expect the markets, I think 2021 should be a fairly robust M&A market. Um, but I, but I don't know that it'll be particularly necessarily smooth. So, uh, and, and you'll see a wide variety of opportunities, whether it's a backlog of private equity exits to corporates looking for divestitures to that special situation, um, that you know, may have been delayed through government efforts or lender, uh, leniency. Uh, in 2020, um, creativity, uh, that flexibility in, in deal execution, um, are, you know, I think will continue to be a big, a big deal. Yeah, and certainly JLL being a flexible, you know, as far as their strategy of allocating capital across strategies as distress and growth, as you said earlier, I think should position you guys to be successful no matter what 2021 brings in. But like you said, it's just going to create a lot more work for you. Yeah. Yeah, well, there's there's no never a shortage. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, Don, this has been a great conversation. Thank you so much for sharing your insights. Bobby, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Wonderful. Stay safe, and we'll look forward to uh, connecting in person when we can. I look forward to it. that we come to the end of this episode of the Dress Star Talk podcast. Thank you to our listeners and we would love for you to subscribe, rate and leave a review wherever you access podcasts. Please follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter to stay updated on additional content. To know more about how we support our clients on due diligence, business development, portfolio management, fund administration, data analytics and other areas, feel free to visit our website and reach out to us at www.resista.com. Any information, opinions and recommendations presented by our speakers are their own and do not necessarily represent the views of their firms or Tresvista and should not be constituted as investment advice. Mm-hmm.